Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding. That is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. Today I'm with Asa Hochhauser and we're going to talk about following topic, how tech startups rapidly grow their B2B sales. Asa, before we get started, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. First off, uh, Christian, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so I've been uh, in B2B sales for about 16 years now, and most of my focus has been in the marketing technology and sales technology space. Uh, so I've worked at several SaaS uh, startups, helping them grow their sales functions, one being Ion Interactive. Uh, that was founded by Scott Brinker. Uh, Anna Tallarico and Justin Tallarico, some um, SaaS pioneers, and uh, Scott is a Martech, um, you know, uh, thought leader. So got to cut my teeth there, and just have been in and around marketing technology for quite a while. Since then, um, was a head of sales at a company called Linux Academy that does mm -hmm. cloud training, and eventually sold to a company called A Cloud Guru, and is now owned by a company called Pluralsight, um, and. Uh, from there, I am now a VP of sales at Maga.io. Maga.io is a marketing technology and analytics consultancy. We help companies choose the right marketing technologies, implement and integrate those technologies, and then execute growth strategies across the sales and marketing organizations. Great. <clears throat> so how can tech startups rapidly grow their B2B sales? Yeah, that's a it's a pretty uh, open question. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, directions that you could take. I think um, one thing that you know for the purpose of uh, you know where I, where I'm spending a lot of time talking to my clients is like how do you know when to implement technology to rapidly grow? Um, and that's a you know a lot of times companies are. Um, putting in technology or certain uh, processes um, before, or even putting salespeople on the phone uh, before uh, they're actually ready for it. Um, so one thing that I, I definitely always think uh, companies need to take some time to think about is um, really 
educate, thinking about like, what are the goals that the company is looking to achieve first and foremost, and then uh, start to understand how can they achieve those goals and understand that, you know, a lot of times that is going to come back to understanding your buyer, right. And who you're selling to and how do you do that effectively? Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have a really good understanding of that, and if your sales team doesn't have a really good understanding of the ins and outs of your buyer's day to day and the problems that they're facing, you're going to have a really tough time, you know, uh, uh, you know, selling to them and, and growing the organization. So as a CEO or founder and you have a product that you're bringing to market, likely you've identified a gap there. Um, but I definitely think the rest of the people within your organization need to understand that as well. Um, so that you can then figure out how to accelerate processes that work well at, at starting those types of conversations. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense, especially when you think of it, um, every client is different. But of course, if you maybe are focused on a niche or something, then maybe it's easier to focus on one type of business or so or one industry or that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And even when you think about uh, the, the business, uh, like we would consider that your ideal company profile, right? Your ICP, um, identifying, you know, what businesses are really successful in using your um, pl- your software service. service. Um, and then when you think about uh, who is actually going to be engaging with your team on a personal level, that's where you start to get into that that. Uh, persona conversation, right? So, um, and when I talk about the day to day, the ins and outs, um, if you're selling to a um, head of uh, marketing, right, what do they care most about and what are they uh, challenged with? You know, a head of marketing is going to be really focused on, you know, results and, and making sure their team is successful and, and, you know, things that are important to an executive, whereas someone like a marketing manager might be a little bit more focused on like, how do I get this landing page created, right? And so making sure that you under- have a messaging and understanding the problems that are associated with, you know, each of those folks so that you can, you know, start to, um, you know, serve them both appropriately, both from a software and services perspective, but also, you know, you guys, you can get your t- their attention um, by, uh, with effective messaging and, and outreach. Yeah. And that comes to outreach, of course, when you think of it, B2B, um, different companies, different approaches, different industries, different habits. When you think of it, maybe the buyer, who is the buyer? Is it the boss? Is it the CEO or is it the, uh, IT guy? Depends maybe on the product as well, who you're wanting to address to. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like, how do you start to identify that? Right. A lot of times companies, they start to um, sell, right. And they get their first uh, few sales and they're just happy that they get sales and it just carries on, but um, they don't create a mechanism to start to understand who their buyer is and who is consuming their content or their product. Um, So one thing that I uh, often you know, I see companies do is they think about operations and creating the mechanism to be able to capture data um, about their buyer too late. And so when they want to start to accelerate, they wish that they had these insights that can help them do so, but um, they never set up the infrastructure to be able to to, um, do that. Um, So, 
when you, when you're trying to understand who's actually buying your product, I think it's making sure that you have a way to understand who is buying and who is successful using your product early on is super important, whether that's, you know, just doing interviews yourself, whether that's setting up a, a CRM and, you know, being able to capture that data in some way um, and uh, surfacing it. So it's usable, I think is, you know, whatever that might be, you know, you have to start somewhere and making sure that you, you're capturing that information. Okay. And uh, then how, how would they then actually go then further on to really put extra power into the tube? Yeah, I think that's where technology, that's hopefully the, the value of technology um, often is that they uh, start to understand uh, certain things. Um, then you can start to use technology to accelerate those things. So if you start to know, you know, that, hey, everyone that uh, buys our, our stuff is, is, we'll just keep running with the head of marketing at a, at a, you know, a software company between, you know, 10 and 50 million in revenue. Um, you know, it's pretty small, small sample size, but we'll just run with it. You know, then you could do things like, all right, so how do we go and get more of these folks into, into our um, world? Um, and that, you know, that could be from a content marketing standpoint, where do they, you know, understanding where these people, um, you know, are, are hanging out online, um, or offline and, uh, or maybe it's, you know, from a data provider, like how do we get more data on, you know, from additional people that look like our best customer, um, and starting to plug in things to, to help with that. Um, and, you know, I, one thing that is really interesting that I've seen also help is just really staying in tune with the conversations that you are having, um, you know, capturing uh, the notes and, and the conversations, whether that's um, via recording or transcription services, I find um, you know, those types of things are really easy lift um, to continue gaining intelligence about about your buyer and um, can also can be used for, you know, training and sales enablement, you know, as you're having uh, conversations, you know, and, and understanding how people are reacting to certain things and how your team is, you know, handling certain situations. Um, you can start to scale that uh, across the organization. So once you start to gain the knowledge and the data points, you know, and you can start to make some smart decisions, um, then you can start to think about how you could scale those things, but always making sure that you're considering a few things, right? One that anything that you want to scale, does it truly map back to what your goals of an organization are? Um, also, do you have the internal bandwidth to be able to manage anything that you do want to accelerate based on the data that you're capturing? And then also, like, how do does uh, anything that you are going to uh, scale integrate across the organization? Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, these acceleration methods um, are done in a bubble um, and not thought about how they can uh, positively or negatively impact other departments and teams. So. Um, thinking about how this is going to integrate, you know, throughout the organization is super important as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and <clears throat> I mean, think of it as well. You, of course, you you've got your first clients, and you've already increasing the sales and that. But uh, yeah, that's of course a way to maybe um, increase as well what the customers are maybe buying. It's depends very much on whether you're from maybe introducing new features or um, whether you are adding maybe complementary products or services 
let's say, for instance, you do some kind of cooperation with some startup that's maybe in the same building and has something that would perfectly fit with your product together as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, it, I think the people who are making those decisions often don't talk to uh, marketing and, and sales, right, who are at the front lines. Um, mm. Everyone's always kind of so busy doing their own thing. Um, and I see that the, the, the fastest growing organizations are the ones that are able to um, work together cross departmentally and really attach like product development to what they're seeing on the marketing and sales side and vice versa. If you can really uh, close that loop, you know, throughout the organization, which is um, easier said than done, mm. uh, then, uh, you know, you're, you'll be um, far ahead of a lot of your competitors. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense because then, of course, you you have a chance as well to maybe the, be the first one to offer something that maybe is even the best fit. And if even if somebody else decides to offer to the same person, they might decide, well, okay, we've seen an alternative, but the first one is still the best. Yep. Yep. And then it buy it. Hmm. Yeah. And so... Um, Of course, now and then startups, of course, realize they might think to add something. What do you think are the, are the biggest uh, threats to growing sales if they start adding stuff that maybe is not appropriate to what the client wants? Yeah, I think the biggest one is accelerating just bad practices. Mm. Um, if you just think about maybe like an, a, a, an outreach tool, like the sales engagement platforms are becoming very, very popular, you know, as a way to automate outreach. Um, if you automate, you know, bad messaging that doesn't resonate with your buyers too product centric, or mm. it doesn't really show that, you know, them, um, that's just gonna, you know, put a bad taste in their mouth and do a lot more damage than, than good in a lot of ways. So um, that's why a big uh, thing I talk about is like sales education before um, sales technology, right? So how do you make sure that your um, teams are well aware of the buyer and what, what they truly care about and how they like to um, receive content and how they like to engage, you know, when they're buying things and then mapping to that um, rather than uh, doing the other way around, um, you can really uh, you can really damage uh, your reputation if if you if you don't take the time to really think about that. Um, you know, we, we hear time and time again, buyers buyer. It's a buyer's world out there. They're in control now. They're gone are the days where sales, um, you know, is in is in control of the 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 buying process. So. Um, we have to understand, you know, them and then adjust to that and accelerate that to give them, you know, a greater customer experience across the board um, based on those learnings. Yeah. And how do you see when you think, of course, some some startups uh, will engage into, let's say, traditional sales, field sales and others might be using cold calling, uh, use social selling, all these different kinds of top uh, let's say strategies, tactics, and so on that are from like 50, 100 years old and to tactics that are nowadays quite uh, applicant to what's been introduced in many companies due to the pandemic. Where do you see the 
benefits and disadvantages of using the different kind of techniques to grow? Yeah, so I think you just have to find what works for you. Um, Always testing new things. You never want to be one of my favorite um, lines that I I learned throughout my sales career is if you single thread, you're dead. Um, Hmm. So making sure that you're always trying different things and different ways to engage with with your buyer. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot, some industries, you know, are still very friendly on the phone. Some in some companies, you know, don't even, you know, they don't even have a phone and people don't want to get a call on their cell phone until they know you. So, you know, you just have to be cognizant of of that. Um, But yeah, times are definitely changing. Digital is becoming more and more, um, you know, prevalent, you know, it's been around for you know a while now, but it's, you know, accelerated with the pandemic. And I think, you know, things like you're doing with your podcast and, and different ways to kind of make sure that you're adding value, um, you know, are going to become more and more important um, in creating demand strategies, um, kind of, you know, flooding the, flooding the market, you know, your relevant market with, with your knowledge is, is always, uh, I think going to be one of the best ways to kind of get people to come to you, um, and, and start to build, build an audience there that you can, um, easily engage with. Yes, exactly. Because then of course they, they know you, they trust you and, uh, well, at least they know that you're talk- they are talking to somebody who obviously knows what they're talking about and not somebody who just was selling carpets yesterday and today is selling, uh, let's say, cars and tomorrow he'll be selling cinema tickets or whatever. <laughs> or yeah. Real estate or whatever. And he hasn't got a clue what he's doing actually. And uh, if you actually do engage in business with that person, it'll be just a nightmare because stuff isn't done that should be done. Even in SaaS, you can do so much uh, damage in a business. Even if, if the client is a small company, you can practically busted out of the sky and the same thing applies for a big company the whole system can get choked and uh yeah suddenly comes another big um company and eats them up (laughs) uh uh, margin acquisition which can get very nasty (laughs) or if worse both get a bad hiccup and then both big companies then actually (laughs) fall apart because uh, it was obviously too big to swallow and too messed up <laughs> yes yeah 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 it's a good point you know and even when you think about um startups right they have mm. when you're creating a new market a lot of times um like i i've worked when i worked at ion interactive we were selling back then it was pretty transformative software for creating landing pages microsites and interactive content um without needing a developer or a web designer right mm. um and we were a fairly new um uh, company, so you're usually going to hire salespeople that really don't have a ton of experience. So um, that's why I always put the emphasis back on sales education and making sure that you can train them on who your buyer is as a as a leader within an organization. You should be the one that kind of holds that knowledge. Um, so making sure that you're creating an environment where new sellers can become experts fairly quickly as far as who their buyers and the problems that they're facing. Some of the things that also can be taught, you know, early on so that you can avoid these disasters, you know, as you are scaling up an early stage startup is, is 
making sure that they understand not just the problems that our your software or service solves and but also what does it look like from an implementation standpoint a lot of times companies don't think about that and if a seller can come in and add value there and have them ask them questions that are going to make them think about all right, let's think about after you've purchased this, what does that look like? What is the end result? What is the goal? What is the success going to look like, you know, in 6, 12, 18 months from now? If you could start to have those conversations and train your team how to have those conversations um, early on, uh, just based on the knowledge of, of the, your buyer and the problem that you're solving, and then having a solid level of business acumen, um, then you can, you can really avoid know some of those tragedies you know of of you, you often see in, in making um you know technology decisions or you know you know like you said purchasing a company that that you didn't really understand what they did exactly and that otherwise of course messes up not only your balance sheet but the whole entire business and creates chaos as well among employees and so on and and that's the thing even you sometimes even see small startups eating up big startups or, or vice versa uh, which can be quite a disruption as well of course on the market on the other hand of course what does a b2b client usually let's say use as criteria to decide whether they buy from that startup. What do you think are the key criteria, especially when you look at it from marketing side and so on, how, how they perceive the startup to be? So uh, can you just repeat the question just so um, I make sure I understand? Yeah. 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 So um, when we look at from the perspective of a business uh, who's buying services from a startup, whether it's a SaaS product or any kind of a product. Mm -hmm. Usually a, a company um, evaluates, of course, the offering based on what the product does and so on. But there's mm -hmm. as well a second um, aspect that they usually look at. It doesn't matter whether it's a small company who's buying something or it's a big company who's buying something. Um, of course, for the one guy, it's he's spending the, the money from his company and the other guy is maybe... Uh, spending money that actually belongs to his employer and he of course wants to grow in the, his own career but he doesn't want to mess up <laughs> his yeah. career by spending money on something that eventually everybody going to say that was the stupidest idea to buy this kind of stuff because it either doesn't work or the worst thing of course that everybody fears buy something implement it install it run it and suddenly the company goes bust and the startup yep. is gone <laughs> your data is as well gone like yesterday when you think of it uh this so-called startup facebook and their whole thing was gone oh Six yeah that hours. was crazy uh people who relied on whatsapp messages to contact the clients they couldn't do anything uh, yeah. it's not just consumers sending messages oh here i've got my new uh i just uh, bought myself a new jacket or other kind of silly stuff um Yeah, and companies who advertise on Facebook to generate revenue, six hours no ads, means six hours no opportunity to get clients, new leads and so on. And it's actually quite interesting when you think of it, uh, even big startups, Facebook is not really a startup anymore, but it's still volatile as any other kind company, whether it's small or big. Yeah, so whoever think, whoever was responsible for that one had a bad day. That's for yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly, and these are the things usually the where usually companies when they evaluate to buy a product from somebody, they decide, okay, is this thing going to do what we want, and if the, is this company actually still going to exist in 
two, three, four years. Because it depends on the price, whether you're paying a, let's say, a monthly fee, you might still have to spend money on consulting and other stuff. You have to get all your, let's say, old-style stuff, data and so on, into this new system, whether you're buying an a ERP system, the cloud, marketing system, any kind of thing. Um, it's not just buying this stuff and, and paying for the service. You have to feed it with something. You have to spend money to pay somebody to go and enter the data, import, or adjust the thing. Even if you go and, and hire some consultant outside to configure your marketing system or whatever, you know, whatever product, whether it's Salesforce, Infusionsoft, and other kind of products, you, you don't usually have the know-how inside, so you have to even spend for that money. And it would be a waste of money and, and a frustration when you've got everything ready and suddenly the startup goes bust or something else yeah. happens, whatever. And you, and, you, and you don't always know where's the startup actually based. It's not always obvious with every business. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, you have to be, you have to, con like, you don't want to, we don't want to set up a million dollar a year tech stack for, you know, <laughs> for a small company, right? So you have to be, you have to be really focused on making sure you're, you're choosing the right tools based on uh, your stage the stage your company is is in right so that obviously is budgets right but really um like what what are always starting with the goals and then mapping back to that like what are what is the ultimate goal that you're looking to achieve by um implementing any kind of tech or any kind of strategy within your organization and doing a little bit of a risk mitigation you know thought process as well um you know there's big platforms out there monolith platforms and then you could also you know, you could create pretty powerful stacks for in a very cost-effective manner by um, doing integrations, you know, using tools like a, 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 Zap a Zapier um, and kind of stitching integrations together as well is pretty cost-effective. So, um, you know, I think a couple of things to think about when you are um, looking at a tool is what may always make sure that things are that you're looking at are going to map back to your goals Um And if it is a longer term play, then make sure that you you have a long term plan, you know, to to map to that. Um, and you're not gonna you're not gonna break the company by doing so. Um, you have to think about integrations as well. Um, how does it integrate not only across your your other tools that you're using, but also across other departments and people? Um, how does it impact that thing? Those things downstream. Um, we've seen that, you know, time and time again, um, these are things that are afterthoughts and j just create a lot of headaches and missed opportunities. Um, and uh, I liked your point too, Christian, about street cred of, of the of the actual technology. Like we only recommend technologies at Magada.io um, that have been around for a while, have a strong customer base and have proven success because there's so much, uh, you know, volatility in the uh, tech space. Um, we want to make sure that we are recommending tools that, you know, you know, are, are going to be here tomorrow. Um, so, so that, that's an important piece as well. I think that um, maybe isn't thought about often. Absolutely. And, and when you think of it, so many businesses just go out of business um, without any warning. This can always happen or even mm -hmm. regulatory things happening, other, other kind of stuff. One company goes bust and then pulls out several other companies out. Or like the, the, the VC goes bust and then, of course, 
all the startups that maybe are dependent on cash from them, they go as well mm-hmm. out of business. And that's, of course, certain risks you can't always mitigate. Uh, you can't even foresee everything what happens in the market. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, it's interesting to to hear as well uh, your perspective on how to um, get startups to grow, grow their sales as well rapidly. Um, in general, there's often a very much of a focus on consumer sales, but uh, the B2B sales world has a lot of opportunity since not every company sells products to consumers. Some are focused purely on business clients, and that's, of course, as well something yeah. to focus on. Yeah, and the B2B and, world yeah. has taken a lot of uh, best practices from the consumer side because we're all humans just buying things, right? So yeah. whether it's for your business or for you know your your home, um, you know, there's a lot of this uh, shared experience, shared uh, um, experiences there, and and just things that each industry can borrow from each other. So. Um, it really is an tra- uh, interesting time to be in, in marketing and sales because, uh, you know, there is this buy the buyer behavior just continue in, in the way they purchase, people purchase, whether it's uh, for their business or home is continually evolving and uh, a lot of best practices from both can, can be used. Yeah, especially when everybody was more or less confined to the home office, uh, they had to suddenly um stop thinking oh i must get into my car or my plane and whatever and go and visit my client it's a no-go <laughs> no way <laughs> and you're right. like, okay how do i do this uh there's so many even big companies had to suddenly learn how to not only do like stuff like social selling but as well social marketing but actually as well how to have a remote conversation whether it's on the phone or on on a zoom or that kind of stuff I know everybody is comfortable with that, so it's yeah. sometimes not quite easy for them. <laughs> well, something that was interesting too is like just going back to even the top of our conversation, like focusing on the buyer. What we're hearing a lot, um, and the conversations we're having with executives is like, how do we just get get better at doing the right thing, focusing on the right type of customer, and expanding the relationship there? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting how you know in a time of crisis, it will really, um, it forces you to take a step back and, and eliminate the waste and focus on, um, where the most value and opportunity lie. Cause you don't have a ton there, right? You have to kind of be really strategic and specific about where you're going to focus your time when you got something like, you know, the, the economic environment, you know, dictating, you know, your business decisions, you know, you're going to be a a lot smarter about that. Um, You know, I, where I think there was pre pandemic, there might've been, you know, think companies might've been a little bit wasteful in some of the activities that they were doing. So using data, like we've been talking to a lot of customers thinking about how do we use data to really refine who our customer is and then be really smart about going after uh, that particular customer and making sure that we are bringing on the right customers 100% of the time and not just some of the time. Exactly. Because uh, otherwise it makes no sense if you try to sell to everybody, you'll always have somebody who's been uh, unhappy because the product doesn't solve their problems and might even be so overcomplicated the kind of business that they just can't handle it whatever you give them what kind of tools or strategies or anything they just can't uh, use it properly and then it just becomes negative and just let's say 
it burns as well your energy and doesn't get you anywhere closer to greater success in business. Yep. Yep. And this has been a problem for a while, you know, and I like mm -hmm. when people ask me about the future of the tech, uh, tech world, like tech stacks and things like that, I think my answer is like I, we've been burned enough now. I think people are actually going to start to re learn from our lessons and we're going to fulfill some of the promises that, um, you know, were laid out to us, you know, five, 10 years ago. <laughs> so uh, the future is that we just, we start to get it right. <laughs> exactly. So it was great having you here on the show, Aza. And if yeah, people want you. to connect with you and uh, find out more what to do, how maybe get into a conversation or so, um, how can they get in contact Yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best place. That's where I'm most active. So anyone uh, can reach out to me there. Yeah, that's great. And I'll add as well into the description as well of this episode as well, the link to your LinkedIn profile and everybody can connect and sure. have a great conversation. And we have ton. Uh, I'd love to um, point people to the Magada.io website as well. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of free tools there to help you manage your technology evaluations and your current tech stack. So um, a lot of really good uh, tools there that uh, you can use for free. That's great. I'll add that as well to the links. Cool. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. 
This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contacts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAPBarge. Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. 